Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 617. Science Faction, age like a turtle and get your flu vaccine. I don't even know where to be. Is this like part of a German fairy tale that we missed? Did I did I fall asleep? <laughs> uh, yeah, they say that. Uh, I curse you to age like a turtle. One person must, uh, if if one would choose to be lucky and age like the turtle, he must accept vaccine science. This is the tale of young Hermeyer, who grew up in Be- in Beckelberg in 1967. 1967, really? Wow, wow. Oh, dear. And speaking of the 1960s of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is the roaring 20s of science faction, none other than Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? That's right. I was the I was the funniest comedian in, in all of southern Utah in the 1920s, and here I am, forward through time, to make you people laugh while joking about how great Mormonism is. I once performed for nearly 1,200 people in almost six families. <laughs> Brigham Young had me as somewhat of a performing gesture. He'd he'd have three of his younger wives beat me on the stage, and I'd get up there and perform. Like Bobby said, I would perform for almost 12 people uh, in a night, and all of them were Brigham Young's wives. Uh, dear, but no coffee. No, stay away from the hard stuff. <laughs> I was doing uh, lines of some espresso. That's how Brigham Young got me. I was just, This is a side note. I, I joke about this sometimes. Some of our long-term listeners might know this, that I work a lot in the deserts of, of the American Southwest, specifically the deserts of eastern uh, San Diego County and western Imperial County. And uh, there's a plant out there called ephedra, and it has ephedrin in it, that you know weight loss thing, the, the energy thing. And it's also called Mormon tea because the Mormons would make tea out of it. And let me tell you something about ephedra. It has way more of a kick than caffeine. Like, So we chew ephedra when we're out there. We call it like the archaeologist coffee or something because you you're just out there and sometimes you're at a fourteen hour day and this is the, and you're wandering around and it's two p.m. and you're exhausted so you grab a handful of ephedra and you chew it and you get energy it's like having a few cups of coffee and it it's like way more energy and way more jittery than caffeine and yet for some reason that was cool with the Mormons caffeine not so good yeah well I mean Bobby hate to bring it to you but uh, the Mormons aren't exactly the most intellectually honest people now I will say this. Many of the Mormon people I know are some of the most nicest, well-rounded people. Sure. Uh, you know, the, they have a great work ethic, great work-life family balance. You just gotta gotta say, hey, uh, I believe literally the craziest shit that happened in American recorded history. We're not even going back to the desert yeah. 2,000 years. That is an absolute crazy one. And also, like, so, like, I get the impetus for like a Mormon prohibition against alcohol and narcotic drugs. A lot of the early Mormons were people who had problems, you know, with alcohol and stuff, which is why they were drawn to that religion. And a lot of people back, you know, before we understood treatment and stuff in the 1800s had a lot of problems with addiction. So like, I get the idea where you're like, listen, in this religion, we're going to have no booze because too many people get drunk and they beat their kids and blah, 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 blah. And like, great. I understand that. Has anyone ever 
gone on a caffeine rampage running their Buick over kids crossing the sidewalk, crossing the street, and then, like, gone, uh, and then, like, uh, I don't know, like, knocked down their ex-girlfriend's front door and peed on a run. Like, has anybody ever had an alcohol-like caffeine rampage that, for whatever reason, prescribed the need for this part of Mormonism? Because this is, it's always, to me, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, the, the, was there one annoying guy who had too many cups of coffee? Coffee on the fucking Mormon wagon train down, and they're like, you know what? No more coffee. We're done. Bill ruined it for everyone. You know, I, I imagine there is some uh, incident that Bill that Bill did, but I, I'm picturing like uh, Brigham Young's grandson, Steve Young, in college at 19. You know, yeah. finally getting out amongst the non-Mormons. And you just see him up all night, you know, uh, he wakes up one night behind a steering wheel, crashed into, you know, like a preschool, lines of caffeine are on the dashboard. Yeah. Oh my God, Grandpa <laughs> was right. <laughs> oh dear, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. I'm also killing a lot of indigenous folks because I believe my grandfather was right about everything. <laughs> Article number one, age like a turtle. That's right. On the Mitch McConnell diet, you too can age just like the head of the Senate, <laughs> Mitch fucking McConnell. Oh, dear. So this is a very interesting article on the aging of reptiles. So, Damien, just off the top of your head, what do you know about the aging of reptiles? Does it happen slower or faster than us? Let's see. Godzilla has changed many times. I don't know. I don't really know the phases of a Godzilla life. I know that the morphology of a that's, Godzilla that's true. has changed several times since the 60s. So um, he still looks pretty spry. So I'm going to say it's slower. He's become more deadly and less stiff and his movement since the 60s. So, I gotta say slower. Radioactive monster lizards don't crack. <laughs> There's a Japanese saying for that. Uh, dear, so I have always kind of, th I've thought about this before. I've heard a lot of different rumors about reptile aging. Everything from, you know, they'll just keep living forever until something kills them to, you know, they age very slowly, which kind of is supported by things like Galapagos tortoises and stuff that have been around for 150 years. I had been told in, when I had taken biology in, in like undergrad that the assumed reason for some of these differences was metabolism, which makes sense because there's a lot of interrelated stuff between metabolism and aging. One of the most surefire ways to extend a human lifespan is to basically starve yourself if you live at like 10% under what should be your required calorie intake your entire life and are basically starving yourself. You have greatly increased your chances to make it over 110 years old. We think that might have something to do with metabolism. We know that slow metabolizing animals do tend to live longer. We have always been told that. The reason that reptiles you know, live longer a lot of times is because they're ectothermic. They get their heat from the outside, they don't use a bunch of their energy and metabolism in order to produce their heat, which is, by the way, why you could have like a, a boa constrictor eat once a month, you know, as opposed to if that was a mammal, it'd have to eat almost every day to maintain a, an internal temperature. So the idea is less metabolism, less wear and tear on the body. That's what's causing aging. So reptiles are able to live longer because they are not warm blooded. So you're saying is that a, a Godzilla would age much slower than a King Kong? You know, we you would be seeing generations of Kong fighting the same Godzilla. 
Yes, yes. And and to King Kong, Godzilla is a Highlander. I believe there's also a Japanese saying like that. (laughs) Or an anime, something, a hentai. I don't know. So this study looked at a whole bunch of different endotherms and ectotherms, meaning warm-blooded, cold-blooded. And they were able to look at their different aging rates, and they were able to establish a few things. One is, there is a very different aging rate for certain groups like turtles, crocodilians, and salamanders. And number two, it's not because of metabolism. In fact, here's a quote from the article, the research revealed that Ectotherms aging rates and lifespans range both well above and well below known aging rates for similar sized endotherms or mammals, suggesting that the way an animal regulates its temperature, cold-blooded versus warm-blooded, is not necessarily indicative of its aging rate or lifespan. So it wasn't metabolism, it wasn't cold-bloodedness, it wasn't warm-bloodedness. Do you know what it was that they found seemed to be indicative of an animal, of a reptile living longer? times Tokyo was destroyed? (laughs) Well, no. Similar, protective phenotypes. Protective phenotypes are things like a turtle shell or a snake's venom or, you know, like a, a, a sharp spines on the back of something or breath. armor or something like that. That could eliminate yeah, something. Tokyo. <laughs> something that protects the animal throughout its lifespan. The reason they think that is, is it's kind of interesting. It's like, it, it's somewhat counterintuitive. It's like those animals that have the ability to survive because they have a protective phenotype, because they have a shell, because they have venom that they'll you know release on you if you kind of get close to them, because you have, they have armor or spines or something. Those phenotypes allow them to live old enough that there is then a selective pressure towards longevity. Because in animals without these things and the other reptiles that don't show these long lifespans, what they're essentially saying is, oh, these things, there's no pressure, selective pressure on them to keep living longer and longer because they're going to die anyway. They, they live a fucking rough life. You're not going to live to be 40 years old because you're, you're going to be prey. So you don't need these longevity genes. The animals that have something that protect them, whether it's a turtle shell or a snake venom, so that they can continue to live, well... There will be a selective pressure because unlike mammals, reptiles do not go through any any kind of menopause situation later on in life. And so they will keep having babies up till the end of their life. And so there is a selective pressure on them to continue living even if they are very, very old. And only animals with those protective phenotypes can get old. It's a very, very interesting. It's almost a chicken and the egg type thing in terms of which one of those came first. I'm sure they're codependent. But very, very interesting. Now, if you want to hear some of the aging rates of these turtles, it is crazy. Some of them show what are what is called negligible aging. And here's a quote from the article. Negligible aging means that if an animal's chance of dying in one in a year is 1% at age 10, if it's alive at 100 years, its chance of dying is still 1%. By contrast, in adult females in the US, the risk of dying in a year is about 1 in 2500 at age 10 and 1 in 24 at age 80. When a species exhibits negative senescence, aging just doesn't happen. So basically, when some of these animals get to a certain age, as long as they don't get predated on, they tend to keep going. We don't know what the upper limit of that is. We don't know if some kind of 
cancer or other type of senescence is going to take over. But for now, that is really interesting. It's interesting that we've narrowed down the three groups that show this the most. It's interesting that we've negl- that we figured out that metabolism wasn't the answer and some kind of phenotypic protection is the answer. This is all really, really interesting because anytime we find super long-living animals or super long-living things, we can investigate what makes them super long-living. And even if it's not a direct translation to us, let's say we find it's a telomere length thing. Let's say we find it's a metabolism thing. Whatever it is, even if we can't get 100% of the benefits from it, if we can make alterations to ourselves that give us 5-10% of those benefits, those add up. And pretty soon you have a reasonable human lifespan that's at 150-160 years where we think near the top of that lifespan could be. And all you have to do is find all these little hid- hidden tricks around the natural world and then use them on yourself. Yeah, I had a bio- biology professor uh, in like uh, at, at Sacramento State who is saying that with selective breeding, with eugenics, you know, if Bobby was in charge of mm-hmm. every mating couple and sure. on Mars or something, yep, we could, yep, uh, breed humans that that had a great increased longevity. Now, Bobby, you're 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 the date master three thousand. Uh-huh. You're the you're the supercomputer sure. that we all that we all swipe right or left on. W- mm-hmm. What traits are you trying to maximize to increase longevity on your colony? I gotta say this, you know, there's a there's like these little groups, uh, these little islands of super long lived people. One is near like Okinawa. Uh, there's some in the Mediterranean and stuff. I gotta think the reason that some Japanese people live extraordinarily long is because they're such polite people. Like the fact that you have never cut in line has decreased your chance of getting stabbed in the neck by a rightfully ang- angry proper line waiter, and so therefore similar to the extended phenotype of the turtle shell, the Japanese politeness is a life-extending uh, phenotype that we could all adopt. You see, I thought you were going to... So first I would start with I that. I thought you were going to do like like, a, like an adult version or like a teenage version of the marshmallow experiment. You know, like, like, uh, oh, like hey, okay. you're a kid, here's some marshmallows. But instead we do like teenagers with pornography. And if they if they just can't control themselves if they if they if if their intention is just to bust bust and have a kid in their teenagers if that's yeah. if they're not willing to wait then I think you euthanize those children I think there's no other way uh-huh. <laughs> and listen I'm just gonna put this out there because you said you know if they believed in eugenics like you you believe in eugenics too every person listening to this you believe in eugenics as well you just don't call it that I sleep with literally anybody I use a random chance organizer on my phone if you have eliminated a family member as a potential mate because of the potential problems that your offspring would have, congratulations, you've participated in eugenics like literally every person on the planet. Like people who want to have kids who decide not to then make their partner somebody who is infertile. Congratulations, you have participated in eugenics. All eugenics is, is choosing your partner for whom the next generation shall be. And if you're not banging your sister because you don't want the weird things or let's take that out because you know there are psychological effects if you're not banging some distant some cousin you never grew up with and wouldn't know otherwise because the genetic effects would have a thing then you're a eugenicist everybody has different lines you know like uh i imagine that was one of the tests that they give the horny teenager in the marshmallow test the teenager pornography marshmallow test is like it's the picture of their cousin distant cousin in a bathing suit (laughs) (laughs) and if they're if they're getting hard if they're staring at it extra long nope you're gone sorry no, see, that this is why you and I are different. I would not penalize that kid for that. I would reward him for being attracted to his cousin and not 
banging her. See, you are somebody who thinks the definition of bravery is not being scared. I'm someone who thinks the definition of bravery is being scared and standing up to it. That's the difference. A young Rudy Giuliani once gave me the same speech about banging cousins. <laughs> uh, he's balls deep in all of them now. <laughs> I had to inspect, I had to, I wish, God, I wish I could do it a Rudy Giuliani impersonation. Uh, I had to inspect <laughs> the chassis belts to see if there was a problem. <laughs> uh, article number two. Flu vaccine cuts Alzheimer's disease by 40%. Because as it ravages, as the flu, um, a non-COVID years, when the flu is the number one ravager of a uh, of a senior retirement village, then yes, uh -huh. it, it, did, it did cut down on a certain amount of Alzheimer's, which by the way... Wait, would it, how would it cut down on Alzheimer's? It eliminated people with Alzheimer's, and so there was a fewer percentage of people with Alzheimer's in that nursing facility because they died to a flu. Okay, so you're saying they had the the reason we're seeing more Alzheimer's is all of those people who would have otherwise been killed by the flu got their vaccines. But see, that would be the opposite. Then that would increase the risk. I, I of misinterpreted Alzheimer's what disease. you said. I thought Alzheimer's people were falling. I thought the I thought the rates had fallen fifty percent, oh. and that was all thanks to our friend the flu. No, no, no. Flu vaccine has cut the risk of Alzheimer's disease by 40%. Well, I mean, hey, uh, as somebody who has... Re I, my, my grandfather passed of Alzheimer's recently. Mine and too. If you could pass... Not recently, yeah, but mine and, too. and if you could just cut out, like, the last two years where, like, they... they the, the person... And it sounds... You know, the person you love left this body a long time ago. You know, yes. they, they yeah. this is a shell. And, and now you just have to have, like, a... A grandmother or close caretaker basically lose their sanity and uh, and years of their life caretaking for this person who is alive beyond yeah. their beyond what what their mind yeah, can tolerate. And, and I mean, as you have seen, and I saw a while ago, and as you have seen even more up close recently, Alzheimer's is a horrible disease. The, what it does to people is is it's it's one of the worst ways to die. And like you said, the 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 burden isn't just on the person. In fact, it isn't even mostly on the person as much as it is on their family. And it's a horrible disease. Now, Damien, listen to what I said. I didn't say it cut it by 2%. I didn't even say 5%, which would still be statistically significant and a huge deal at the population our size. Flu vaccines cut Alzheimer's risk by 40%. How insane is that? My, my grandmother, um, who had, who, you know, was at her, you know, I'm not saying this to disparage my grandmother. We spent last week doing that when she said she didn't smile. Yeah. She has a, she's a human yeah. whose husband was dying of Alzheimer's for years. That's right. But near the end, she was like, I, I don't want to get my husband the COVID vaccine because, you know, I don't want him just to stay in this purgatory forever. I'd like for him to be, to, for, yeah. I'd, I'd like for him to find the grave. <laughs> And you are outlying the problem with Catholicism is instead of just just taking him to a nice Kevorkian-esque person who can solve this problem very easily, your grandmother is just like constantly running, walking around construction sites with like open pits and stuff being like, come here, let's walk this way. Bunch of fucking broken needles all over my grandparents' floor. <laughs> fucking, fucking Looney Tunes thing instead of a medical procedure. Oh, no. it's like, oh, oh, hey, hey, how about we go hang out in, uh, in southern Georgia during the 4th of July just after let's see oh what are all those gunshots are people shooting in the air i'm gonna hide underneath this metal sheet you just stand right there though <laughs> you know that's actually how the alzheimer's got so bad she kept trying to uh to uh help him pass using anvils on blacksmithing sites <laughs> and that cte just stacked up 
Oh, well, anyway, this is one of those what the fuck headlines that that come out of it's well that I'm like, wait, what? And I have to reread it and then read the study and read the backup articles and everything around it and be like, how the fuck did this slip past? It turns out this was actually a follow up study to a what the fuck finding that the flu vaccines might reduce Alzheimer's risk discovered a few years ago. But it was done in small end numbers. They weren't sure if it was valid. This study, the end number is close to two million. So pretty powerful. They're just assuming Alzheimer's because um, while the doctor was willing to say, like, informally with my grandfather, it was Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, on everything else, because Alzheimer's is only something that can be confirmed on autopsy, it just says, like, advanced dementia. So are they actually going in and doing the autopsies on on these two million people to confirm? Well, I would assume if they died of Alzheimer's, like, symptoms, that's usually done in, yeah, like you said, in autopsy. man was hit in the head with an anvil. He's clearly... And by the way, they found that only a single flu shot starts to confer this benefit, not the full 40%, but a single flu shot starts to confer this benefit for a few years at least. Meaning if you go get a flu shot right now, as an older person, you have reduced your risk of Alzheimer's disease by 40% for like two years. This is fucking insane. And nobody is talking about it. Now we've talked on this show that Alzheimer's is the effect of plaques accumulating. Or no, wait. We don't know that is telltale of the disease, but we don't know if it's causation correlation. We don't know if the plaques are causing Alzheimer's or if Alzheimer's, some kind of inherent part of the disease is causing both the memory issues and the plaques. We, we don't know, but it's correlated. Right. Well, I, I, that was my thing is, uh, is uh, the, the flu vaccine like uh, like a zestfully clean or like a uh, uh, like a Listerine toothpaste? We take out gingivitis and flax. And by the way, here's another sign that this is a real finding, that this is working, is not only does it work, you know, it does give you a little bit of a a benefit for years just by getting it once, but each year you get it consecutively increases that benefit till you get to that 40%. And that's what we call a dose-dependent result, meaning the more you give, the more result you see. And that is highly likely to be showing some kind of causal action. Plus, I mean, fuck it, an end number of 2 million, that pretty much shoots haters in the foot. There's not much you can say about that as long as the math is done properly. Bobby, people who deny science, like, they don't care if they're wrong. I, I know friends who are creationists. We just watched the entire country say, that's right, immunology is not a science. We don't need to abide by that. Fuck the germ revolution. They found during four-year follow-up appointments of the people they were looking at, and again, these were random people uh, of the same age group who either got vaccinated or didn't get vaccinated against the flu, they found that 5.1% of flu-vaccinated patients were found to have developed Alzheimer's disease. Meanwhile, 8.5% of non-vaccinated patients had developed Alzheimer's disease during follow-up. We don't know exactly what that is. In previous studies, they thought it might have been something to have to do with, uh, you know, correlation, who's choosing to get those shots or not. But the controls on this one seem good enough to have eliminated that possibility. This really does seem like a causal thing. And there's actually a bunch of very tantalizing, though not well flushed out evidence that several vaccines may protect from Alzheimer's disease. So it might not just be specifically the flu part. They think that it might be this weird interconnection between the immune system and the brain. And that some diseases, such as ammonia, when your immune system reacts to, it causes Alzheimer's to be worse. And some diseases, they like activate the immune system in a weird way that is a protection from Alzheimer's, including, in this case, what you are exposed to in the flu vaccine. They've also shown a decreased risk of dementia associated with prior exposure to a bunch of adult vaccines, including tetanus, polio. 
Adult onset dick gout. <laughs> of course, as we talked about before. And by the way, we don't know if this would actually qualify yet. Again, I listed there was a bunch of different vaccines that have this effect. It's not just the flu vaccine. We don't know if the COVID vaccines would qualify for it yet. But if they did, given the amount of coverage we have in older Americans, which is pretty, pretty good, actually. And given that the protection lasted for a few years, if it turns out that the COVID vaccines convey even a similar, uh, it doesn't have to be as much, but even a similar protection to the flu vaccine, we will have prevented or delayed millions of cases of Alzheimer's disease with the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines. They say dick gout is the rich man's disease and that if you're wealthy enough to afford a liver and onions lubricant, that over time... <laughs> You will contract it. <laughs> or if you're just literally fucking a plate of liver and onions, which can get costly after a very short amount. Of, I mean, even a fleshlight might be a $90 investment, but it's reusable almost indefinitely. This plate of liver and onions cost me $17 and I get to use it once, maybe twice if I'm desperate. Yeah, I can't tell you how many business meetings amongst the elite, you know, if Warren Buffett's hosting Elon Musk for a dinner or something, they'll start with some masturbatory liver and onions to raise the palate. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll dust some stuff with caviar in their ass. It's, it's actually how Warren Buffett caught hepatitis. <laughs> I swear, I swear I'm not cheating on you, honey. I just fucked this liver. <laughs> Wait a second. My husband's not a billionaire. There's no way he was fucking liver and onions. Oh, super, super interesting. I hope we can flush out what exactly is going on. And I hope everybody hearing this now, who, especially if you're in the older years, is like, you know what? I was going to get a flu vaccine, but now I'm definitely going to go get that right now. And oh, by the way, something I've been promoting on Science Faction since well before COVID, go get your fucking flu vaccine anyway. I know this isn't flu vaccine season. So, you know, when it comes around to your spot, I don't know, maybe those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, but for the rest of you, uh, when it comes around, go get it. This is something we have been on about since, I don't know, 2015, 2016, when I started looking at, at flu deaths and, and how horrible they are and what a huge toll it takes in terms of hospitalizations and sick days and all that kind of stuff on our society. The flu is a gigantic deal and we have this little shot that can protect us and so many people don't do it. This is one more reason to do it. And as I have said many a times on this show, even if you are somebody who is not going to get particularly sick, even if you are somebody who is going to get sick, but it's not a big deal and you'll You'll be living, you'll be fine. You have some level of responsibility for every person down the transmission train that catches it from you or from somebody you gave it to. So take that civic responsibility. Don't spread the disease. Go get a flu shot. Protect yourself from Alzheimer's disease. I mean, I've been working, you know, hourly jobs for over two decades, mm -hmm. Bobby, and I'm fairly convinced that the flu is just an excuse people use to not show up to work. I can name uh, on I can name on one hand the amount of times I've been sick and I think it might have been something like the flu and I can name on 12 hands the amount of times the flu has gotten me out of work despite not actually being sick. So I will tell you the flu is real. The flu is absolutely real. Right, yeah. I'm sorry Bobby, uh I predate the covid deniers. I'm a flu denier. <laughs> you know, if it's a pandemic Bobby, how come I'm not seeing corpses piled up in the streets? Thanks Obama. <laughs> By the way, real quick, before you close out the episode, I know you want to do it, but um, let's just say I, I just heard about this now. I'm 60-year-old Damien. I'm starting to get a little bit more forgetful. I just found out about the science now. If I start taking flu vaccines now, if I lie and create aliases just to get more flu vaccine, 
What are Ooh. my odds of, of cutting down on Alzheimer's? Good question. So they are actually say, they are actually looking to see how much of a effect it has to slow down the progression of the disease when somebody already has it. So not just do you get it or do you not, but once you get it, if you start getting regular flu shots, will it slow down the disease? That is already slated as one of the follow-up studies, but we would not know from the current study. So that is one of the, th- the variables they're going to be looking at. As of right now, we don't know if it would have any effect once Alzheimer's has already begun. Okay, gotcha. So you got to you can't um uh, you can't be ignoring those flu shots uh your whole life you got to start now. you, you got to start now not when you're old go get it now all right thank you audience for coming back for science faction 617 where you learned all about how to age like a turtle and how flu vaccines cut down the risk of alzheimer's disease by 40 percent. now go tell a friend thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for science faction 618 mr mercado we have some simple medication that can cure your dick gout are you sure you don't want it administered via IV? No, it's hurts amazingly, but it gives me like an itch. Keep it. I need it. Oh, God. Don't look at it. It can tell if you're looking at it and it hurts way more. Stop. You've been listening to Science Function. Wait, that's not right. Right.